Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for your protection, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God, for keeping us in our right minds today, God. Thank you, Lord God, for providing for us today, Lord, for giving us health and strength, oh God. Thank you, Lord God, for the breath that we breathe, Almighty God. Thank you, Lord God, for sparing our lives, oh God, one more time, Lord Jesus, to make it right with you, God. Thank you, Almighty God, for food on our table. Thank you for a roof over our heads, God. Thank you, O God, for a made-up mind, Lord God, to continue to serve you, Lord. To continue, Almighty God, to strive, O God, to please you today, God. Father, as we come before you today, Lord Jesus, humbly, Lord God. Father, we repent right now, Lord God, of every sin, Lord, that we have committed, O God, against your word knowingly and unknowingly, Almighty God. Wash me, God. Purge me. Cleanse me, God, of everything in me, God, that is unrighteous, that is unholy, almighty God. Father, and I pray, Lord God, you will take our hearts, O God, and conform our hearts, almighty God, in the mighty name of Jesus, that, Lord God, we will receive, O God, your instructions tonight. That, O God, we will not leave this place the same way we came in, God. But, O God, we will leave with a deeper, almighty God, desire to serve you, God, a deeper desire, Lord, to, Lord God, obey your word, O God, to follow your instructions, Lord. Father, I pray and I put every prayer request in your hand right now, Lord God, that, Lord God, you will take control, Lord God, that, Lord God, you will make ways out of no way, God, that you will heal those that are sick, almighty God. For, Lord God, you are a healer, God. You are a way maker, God. You are a promise keeper, God. Oh, God, and you are faithful, almighty God. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord God, for every prayer request, God, that we lift up to you right now, Lord. Lord, we trust in your word, God, that you will never leave us, God. You will never forsake us, God. Oh, God, you are the source, God, of everything we need tonight, God. And, Lord God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. You will open the windows of heaven, Lord. You will rain down, oh God, a new, oh God, anointing, a fresh anointing, oh God, upon us. That, oh God, when we leave this place, we will not be the same, God. Oh, mighty God, touch the man of God tonight and anoint him, Lord God, from the crown of his head unto the sole of his feet, Lord. Use him, almighty God, as a vessel. Use him, almighty God, to minister your word. Use him, almighty God, to, Lord Jesus, give us what we need tonight, God. In the name of Jesus, take control and anoint us right now, oh God, as we minister, almighty God, and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.
that Jesus loves you. If nobody don't love me, I know he does. Amen. Because he went to the cross for me and you. Amen. He gave his life, shed his blood, and we know he loves us. We're not just singing that he loves us, but he has proven that he loves us. And it's just so wonderful. I believe that all of us were created to love and be loved. We were all created to love and be loved. That is the most essential and important part of us in our existence, that we were created to love and to be loved. That's what it's been all about from day number one, and that's what it continues to be. And if we want to experience our true blessings and what God has in store for us, Love people. Love God. And you will experience love in your life because, as we talked about recently, there's, it's impossible to sow love and not reap love. Impossible. So if I sow love, I'm going to reap love. And so we look forward to just all the great things God has in store for us. Amen. Somebody say, it's midweek service. And midweek matters. I want us to jump on that bandwagon. That midweek matters. Uh, Because a lot of times, you know, schedules and schools and work and all the different things that happens, you know, we tend to just kind of blow by midweek. And even when we come, as I've been saying, that we come and we can't be focused because we come in with today's cares and all that we did today. We come in with that. And so we're trying to unload that and try to get what God has for us. And by the time we finally hit that spot of unloading it, it's time to go. And we said, man, what happened? And so I'm going to try to do my best just to give you enough and not too much to take away. But you got to go and handle it a little bit more. So whatever you get tonight, go take it and say, let me go and put some more uh, work into this and dig a little deeper in the scripture to see what God is saying to me concerning his word. And I think that probably that's the best thing that we can do. We used to do that back in the day. Uh, and, and we put a lot more effort into listening to the word of God that we heard preach. We heard the word preach and we bought a uh, cassette for $5 or $10. And we put it in our car and everywhere we drove, that cassette was playing. <laughs> Just saying. And so we, we kept listening to that thing and listening to that thing, and that stuff started staying in us, you know. Now, you know, we got the Facebook link. And so we go to the Facebook link, but before we get to the link, there's about five other things that grabbed our attention, so we forget we went on Facebook for the link. Oh, you know, I'm telling it. You started out to go get the link to say, let me listen to this again. And the way how these phones work and algorithms and all this stuff, stuff start popping up and get your attention. And you never get to what you start. You know how many times I got to say, what did I start out to do? And it's not because I'm getting old, so don't tell me that. It's because too many things are coming at me at once. It ain't got nothing to do with age. And so you start out to do one thing, and before you know it, you're doing something. And you're like, why am I doing this? I thought I said I was going to do this. And you have to stop and get to that because too many things are coming all at once. 
So we have to be disciplined. God knew social media would happen one day. And that's why God's people have to be disciplined. We don't have the, I don't know if you want to call it luxury, because I don't think it's luxury, but we don't have the, 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 the right to, 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 you know, just not be disciplined, because then we will be led away from what God's purpose and intention is for our life. So, you know, as much as, you know, we like to say, you know, I, I, it's my life, and, you know, I govern my life, and I'm telling you, you will not be able to stay focused and live for God if you're trying to do it on your own. Can do it. Got to let the spirit of God and the word of God be so in you that it just moves you to do the things you need to do. And you're not just operating in your own ability. Uh, Matthew chapter five, verse number one, Matthew number five, verse number one. We uh, are going to start a new series and something I like series. I didn't think when, you know, back in the day, series wasn't my thing. But I guess series is becoming my thing now. And so we're trying to do what we got to do. Don't mind the inflection of my voice. Um, we have Mark with us, and he's been with us um, a couple weeks ago, and here he is tonight again. He is an expert and a professional in trying to fine-tune the sound. And so whether it's the singers, whether it's the musicians, whether it's someone speaking, whatever it is, he is trying to get voice inflections, voice, the sounds of voices and things like that. This is what he does. He's an expert. So try not to be so, you know, focused on the different sounds. He's just trying to get it just right. <laughs> He's trying to get it just right. Mark, chap, Matthew, <laughs> Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 1. Hallelujah. Amen. The word of God says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, for the next few weeks, I am going to be teaching on the Beatitudes, what's known as the Beatitudes. They get overlooked, and um, I, I think even sometimes we think the Beatitudes, they're, they're impossible. <laughs> we, you know, we, we treat the Lord so bad sometimes, like we read his stuff and say, I hear you, Lord, but man, who can do that? Well, God is so good that he is not going to command us to do anything that we cannot do. So that's not because we're not doing it. It means we can't do it. It just means we're not there yet. We need to work toward being able to do the things that God is telling us we need to do that we're not yet doing. But he's not telling us to just overlook it because you can't do it. No, no, no. You can do it. I can do it. We just have to work at it with the help of the Lord, and we'll start to do it. Amen. I'll, I'll get out the gate and be crazy just out, out the gate tonight. When I wasn't saved and God was working in my heart, and I knew, man, I know I'm going to get saved. I didn't think I could stop cursing. Y'all see the preacher, y'all like, you can't picture me cussing. Huh? Well, you better picture it now. 
mouth was foul, dirty. And then when I got around my friends, after I got saved and I got around them and started talking to them, telling them about Jesus, and now, you know, I'm clean. And I'm just like, you know, talking, you know, good conversation, clean conversation, healthy conversations. And every other word they said was a cuss word. And I just started cringing because I wasn't judging them. I said, that's how I sounded because they were my friends. So if that, if they were my friends and every other word was a curse word, then when I was where they are, that's what I was too. So I didn't realize how terrible I was with foul mouth because uh, um, we just thought it was just normal. When you're out in the world and you, you're not saved, you don't know Jesus, every other curse word is not a big deal to you. It's just the way of life. And so you don't think much about it because everybody's doing it. And then you get saved. Then you got filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name and trying to live a holy and righteous life. And you're talking to some folks that they're not saved. And every other word is a curse word. And you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't judge them because I used to be there. All I can say is I used to be like that. Can I get some amen? <laughs> All right. So, so that's how you know. Because you won't ever know. You'll always think that you were always decent. We get saved and we think that, well, I don't think I was that bad. Because you're saved now, you didn't think you were that bad. But you know what you need to do? Go hang out with the people. Not to go hang out with them, but just go talk to them a little bit. And you will listen to them and hear them and you're like, just know, if they used to be your friends... That's just what you used to do. Birds of a feather, that's how you used to live. So that's how you know you was a mess. And so sometimes I think we get to a place in Christ where we forget how much of a mess we were. And Christ was just so good and so gracious and he loves us. And because we obey him, we got cleaned up a little bit. And now we act like we better than somebody else. Ain't no way. Oh, help us. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for saving us. Thank you for bringing us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you for delivering us from sin. Thank you for continuing to perform the work that you have started in us because we know you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're grateful. Help us to continue to stay submitted to your authority and to your word that all that you have in store for us, all that you will do in us and through us, it will be done because we will trust you and obey you. Have your way in our service tonight, Lord, as we give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you. All right. So we're going to be talking about the Beatitudes for the next few weeks. Now, I'm only going to deal with one Beatitude out the gate tonight. I don't want to take it too deep, and I want to be good with the time. And so one Beatitude is good enough tonight, and we'll deal with it. So the Beatitude that we're dealing with here tonight is in Matthew 5 and 3, where it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This, I don't know if you know, but in, in the book of Malachi, 
you go through Malachi and toward the end of Malachi, the Lord had stopped speaking. He, he wasn't giving any prophets any word. He wasn't saying anything. Whatever they had and had heard from him from way back when, they had to just continue to do those things. But there were no, what they say, open word. He wasn't speaking to them. And so they had to kind of go with what they've always had and no new word. And so it was silent from Malachi to Matthew. There wasn't anything going on. And they said it was about 400 years during that time where there were silence, where God wasn't given any open vision and he wasn't speaking and he wasn't giving his prophets any word. And so here we come in Matthew now, Matthew chapter one, and we go through chapter one, chapter two. And here we are now. Jesus is, 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 is ministering his first organized official sermon that he was preaching. We now know today we call this the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was setting forth the principles of his kingdom which should guide the lives of all who profess to be his disciples. So he was giving us instructions from way back then ministering and letting us know what will help us and guide us to have a blessed life. And so he said, uh, blessed. And we, 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 we see here in the Greek, the word blessed is translated in Matthew chapter five. It means happy. Somebody say happy. Mm-hmm. And so when the scripture says blessed uh, are the poor in spirit, what it's actually saying is happy are the poor in spirit. Man, I tell you, when you read the word of God, you will see how much it, it's contrary to what we practice oftentimes and how we, you know, kind of perceive things oftentimes. It's, it's always so much different than what we think and how we do things. And I, I once said, and I've said it over and over, that if we will just start doing the opposite of what we do, we might be closer to God that way than even trying to live for God the right way. That sounds crazy, but but I know what I'm saying because it's just God's word is so different and so contrary to our normal way of thinking. See, when sin entered the equation, it distorted our way of functioning, our way of thinking. And so sin throw you off. And so now you're trying to figure out how to live the the, the life that God intended for you by reading and, and trying to understand the word. The problem is we're trying a lot of times to understand word, God's word, with sin consuming our life. Sin in our heart. And that's why sometimes we said, I don't understand this. Well, we don't understand it because we're trying to understand it first from the Western perspective, right? Over in this side of the, the world is called, we're, we're the Westerners, right? And so you're trying to perceive the word of God from a, a Western culture. And then on top of it, we have sin in our life. So that, the, the, the distortion there is really terrible. And so we're trying to understand the word of God from that perspective. And many times we go to the left in our, uh, in our understanding of the word of God because of these things. We are happy. Uh, when God says happy are we, he's not talking about the happy that we are accustomed to. So when you hear happy or I hear happy, 
We're not thinking the same as Jesus was thinking when he says, happy are they that are poor in spirit. You see, again, already we, we, we see the, the, the difference in how we are and how we think as opposed to what God is saying to us and what God means. He says, happy are the poor in spirit. Now, just thinking about it off, off the cuff, it just doesn't sound proper. Happy are people that are poor in spirit? Now, what sense does that make? You would think we're happy when we're rich in spirit. Right? I would think so. That's, but that's what we, will, we would perceive. And so, but that's not what God is talking about when he refer to happy. It's not the same thing that we're accustomed to. Listen, we are happy when we have plenty of money. Somebody say amen. amen. We are happy when we have a nice car or we live in our dream house or we have the job that we always dreamt about. We are happy when we are enjoying, this is me, we are happy when we are enjoying our favorite meal or dessert. Man, after a good meal, you give me a right dessert, don't talk to me. My legs are swinging, I'm in the best mood. There, oh, a good meal, finished off with some good dessert. Mm, 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 mm. So I'm happy when that's all going on. But when Jesus said happy are the poor in spirit, he was not talking about our kind of happiness. No, he wasn't talking about when I was eating my dessert and I'm feeling good. That's not what he's talking about. Poorness of spirit involves humility. Poorness of spirit involves contentment. Poorness of spirit involves submission. Poorness of spirit involves gratitude. (laughs) The poor in spirit are those who have been convinced of their spiritual poverty. Again, when you think that you have something, you, you tend not to function as a humble being. You know, because you got it going on. And so just think about it from that perspective that if, if we just think that we're, we have what we need, then, then we're not going to uh, be spiritual or happy because we think we've got it going on. The poor in spirit are those who have been convinced of their spiritual poverty. Somebody say amen. Watch this. All without Christ are wretched, blind, naked, destitute, and poor. And that's our state when his grace appear unto us. So church, all of us who was once lost that came to the understanding of salvation, it's because the grace of God appeared unto us. And if God's grace never appeared unto us, we could not be saved. But understand this. When God's grace appeared unto us, we were destitute. When God's grace appeared unto us, we had nothing. We were poor in, in spirit. We, 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 we had nothing. We were naked. We were blind. When God's grace appeared to us. And so when we get saved, we should still remember that even though life is different now because we're saved, 
it could all be gone just like that because we did not bring it into our life. It was the goodness of God. And if the goodness of God is no longer in your life, then what do you have? To be poor in spirit means to be humble, to have a correct estimate of yourself. Woo! Man, I pray all the time, God, I am nothing. Listen, can I tell you this? I am not just saying this to you. I pray it all the time, and I'm not just praying it because it sounds good or because it's just good words. But I, I say it all the time because I really do know that without God, I am really nothing, and I'm just living life, going in, a, in and out of revolving door. If it isn't, if God didn't save me, if God didn't say, "Come on," and I didn't come with Him, I would just, I would be a nothing, and there would be no good thing that would be coming from my life. I know it. Without Him, I am nothing. I don't know what you think about it, but I know without Jesus, I am nothing. Nothing. And I pray all the time, I say, God, I'm nothing without you. And I, I say this to him, if I will ever accomplish anything, it's going to have to be you working in my life because I have nothing to bring to the table and I am not good at nothing. But if you will work in me, then I'm sure you will do something in me. But it's nothing that I have that is worth anything to you. You get that revelation and you really mean it and you're not just saying it just to say it. You will see life just change immediately for you. It does not mean when we say we're poor in spirit that we're poor spirited and have no backbone at all. Poor in spirit is the opposite of the world's attitude of self-praise and self-assertion. So in the world, everybody is telling you, man, again, opposite. Everybody is telling you you got to look out for you. Everybody is telling you that, you know, you can do this to be better. And, you know, all of these different things that we like to tell each other just to feel good about life. Mm. Uh, Help us, Holy Ghost. The poor in spirit are those who recognize their natural unworthiness to stand in God's presence who depend Utterly on him for his mercy and grace. Can you imagine the almighty God? Forget about the president of the United States. Forget about kings and queens. Forget about millionaires and people that are important. Forget about athletes and all that. We get before them and we get giggly. And we, we, we feel like we're somebody because we can get in the presence of presidents or we can get in the presence of great men and great women and athletes that are superstar. we like, wow, I was hanging with so-and-so. Man, do you know God created all of them? Do you know who they are is only because of who God made them to be? And we give more pleasure in standing in their presence than coming and going before God and allowing the presence of God to overshadow us and to say, God, I'm in your presence. What a privilege it is to be invited into your presence. What a privilege to worship you and to feel your touch and to feel your 
your presence. When tears run down your eyes in the house of God, you ought to be thankful because you know God is touching me. You ought to be grateful because you know God is doing something. He's the great God. He's the creator of all things. He gives life to all and he allows me to be in his presence. The poor in spirit acknowledges his or her lack of personal righteousness. We have no righteousness. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so we have no righteousness. It's not until we allow the word of God to take a hold of our heart and we start to live according to the word, will we get to walk in righteousness? Somebody say amen. This condition describes those who have repented and are broken. If you repent before God and and just let God have his way in your heart, you will see a different you. But as long as you think you got it going on, as long as you think you got something to offer, then I'm telling you, you're always going to miss out on happiness. But the day you repent and become broken before God and realize you have nothing to bring to the table, but if God will work in your life, if God will touch you, then you can be of some use. And that's the only way we are of use to God because God don't need us. God don't need us. Being poor in spirit is not advertising our poverty before people. Some people come to church and they carry themselves. You know, you have heard me said this before that. Why y'all think that people that come into the house of God that keep themselves looking presentable, keep their shoes clean and clean themselves up and smell good? Why y'all think that, you know, they're doing good and they don't need anything? Y'all not, y'all not giving them a, y'all not coming up to them and says, hey man, let me bless you and give you a couple hundred dollars. Look what they got. They shoes better than mine. You might not like nice shoes, and they like nice shoes, and they clean their shoes, and when their shoes get run down, they take it to the shoe shop and get a new sole because the shoes is nice, and you don't care nothing about shoes because you got a mansion around the corner. The poor in spirit realizes that without Jesus, we are nothing, but with him, we have everything. We can be rich in our pocket and still be poor in spirit. So it doesn't mean because you got it going on financially in this world that you don't need to be poor in spirit. (laughs) Let me help you a little bit. Have you ever seen a poor beggar? Who picks and chooses what he will accept. You ever drive by a beggar? They're on the corner. No place to live. They dirty. They hungry. They need a place to live. And you go up to them and you give them a dollar. And they say, what you doing? I need ten. If you go up to one like that and he, and he or she do that, just keep it. Put your money in your pocket and say, get out of here. You ain't no real beggar. Ain't nothing wrong with you. Because a real destitute poor person that is in 
the streets and need something, if you give them ching ching, 50 cents, a quarter, a dollar, $2, $10, they take it and say, give it to me. Because they don't have anything. They're destitute. They're in need of something. And so that's what a beggar presents. In Jesus' day, the beggar, poor person, were grateful for anything anyone would give him. They relied on the grace of people. If people didn't give them anything, they had nothing. I talk about one of the things that we miss in this country, how, how we overlook in this country. This is one of the only countries in the world that if you are poor and you have nothing, the government helps you. You're going to live some places in the world and you have nothing, you're going to die if nobody else helps you. <laughs> Ain't no welfare. Ain't no government assistance. Ain't no go to charity care. <laughs> so in this country, you can be poor and have nothing and you can still get help. But for most of the world, you poor and broke and have nothing, there is no help. If somebody don't give you something, you have nothing. And that's how it was in Jesus' days. So when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, when he referred to the poor, he was thinking along those lines. That you are broke, busted, had nothing, and you will take anything. Our attitude in approaching the Lord Jesus should be as the poor beggarly person that was back in Jesus' days. We need to approach him like the beggar approach us today. Or the beggar approach them back then. Because again, I don't trust the beggars today. I need a couple dollars. What a dollar going to do? Dollar can't even buy me a slice of pizza. That's American beggars. American poor people. Dollar can't do nothing. I can't even get a slice of pizza with that. Come on, man. Put a couple more on that. <laughs> You go to a foreign country and give them a dollar and see if they say that. I'm telling you. So that's the perspective that Jesus had when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He thinks He's thinking about poverty, beggars that are on the street that had nothing. When he says that, that if we become like them when we approach him, then we will be happy. Ooh, that don't make a lot of sense. When we first come to Jesus, we come to him with nothing. Somebody say nothing. We don't impress him with how well we sing, how much money we make, how intelligent we are, how many followers we boast on social media. We come to him poor in spirit. Got to be careful of people that they get in the church and they think they something. Because they're recognized in the world. Because they don't realize this. That blessed are the poor in spirit. We know we're only able to enter God's presence because of his amazing grace and mercy. We did not have something special about us for God to say, oh, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. you come. Nah, not you. Mm-mm, not you. Ooh. I watched you. Mm -mm. You, you can come. You go, come on now. Can you imagine if God just started doing that? That he have his own criteria as to who he calls 
and who he doesn't. We will be in trouble. But God's grace says, I'm calling all of you. Some will come and some won't. But I'm calling all of you. And remember when you came to me, you had nothing. Somebody say nothing. Listen to me. I was teaching a couple of Bible studies today. And we had the, um, the portion of the Bible study with, with, when, when God created Adam and Eve. And I just think we need to go back every once in a while and go and read Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3 is so, it, it is so important to how we move forward in life. The first thing about Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3 is the Bible says that God created Adam. Right? So God created Adam. And how my mind works is I, I want to talk to Adam and says, so what did you think when you came to understand that you were the only one of your kind and there was nothing else like your kind that exists, but, but things exist. What were your thoughts? And I'm sure he said, well, he's probably going to say, God started communicating with me and let me know. So just from knowing where we started with Adam, we're supposed to know we came into this world with nothing and we're going to leave with nothing. Naked we came in. We go out. And so the bottom line is, if we will start there, it might help us, it will help us to move forward because we'll realize that we have nothing. Think about it. The Bible says, and God breathed the breath of life in Adam's nostril and man became a living soul. Tell me, what do we have? What do we have to call our own? That's where we got to go back to. What do we have to say, this is mine? Come on, somebody help me. We already know that this world exists without us. God created it. Okay. But what we like to think is because we have good mind and good intelligence and we went to school and got a degree and we got nice jobs and we're doing things that that is beneficial even in the world we're doing stuff for people and you know good good stuff that we're doing we're taking credit and i'm saying okay how did this all get started because if we go back to how did it all get started we can't take credit for any of this so now we understand when the Lord can say, happy are the poor in spirit. Because really, we've been poor. We had nothing. Because when God created us, we had nothing. When he breathed his breath into us and we became a living soul, even the very breath that we breathe isn't ours. Can you imagine that? We are breathing every day and that breath is not ours. The mind we have, God gave us that mind. And on top of it, he says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. So he gave us that mind. says, that's not enough, though. You got to take my mind. So what do we really have that's ours? That we can really say, well, look at me. So we can really take some credit for something. What can man take credit for? If you come to know who the Lord God is and that everything came by him and there is nothing that is made that he did not make. Everything came by God. And so we can't take any credit. We have nothing. James 4 and 10 says, 
Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You will get lifted up. You will be happy when you get low. When we get low, we will be happy. If we stay high, man, I would just, I was teaching my Bible study today. And the interesting thing that I was thinking about today, I said, when God created us, I simplified just kind of where we are. And I said, God created us. And in order for us to have right relationship with God, he had to give us choice. That, that's what this is all about. So, so for those that wonder, why did he tell us we can't touch that tree? Because in order to have right relationship, there must be choice. You cannot have a bona fide, whole, right relationship if you don't have a choice. There is nothing greater, and I think we miss this. When someone have a choice, let me mess two young married people. You had a choice to pick any woman you wanted in the world. Anyone. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them. You know what I mean? Because if we study it, I think it's still 10 to 1 or 8 to 1. Y'all didn't know that? 8, eight to 1, 10 to 1. So for every one man, there's 8 to 10 women. Y'all didn't know that? Oh, man, y'all want me to get into something different. I'm not getting into that. But you had the choice of picking eight or nine other women instead of picking Michaela. But you picked Michaela. And that's what made love great because she can sit there and say, hmm, he picked me. He had a choice as a mother's, but he picked me. That's what makes love special because people have choice, but they choose to love you. And so I'm, I'm bringing that up to say when God created us, this is all this is all about. God created us and he's saying, I want to have right relationship with you. But the only way that's going to happen is if you choose to love me like I've chose to love you. It's up to you. So he says, here is what we'll do. I'll put that tree over there in the middle of the garden and I'll tell you not to mess with that. Uh, and, and so now I give you choice. You can either do what I ask or you can do whatever you want. That's what the, this is all this life is about. Either I choose to follow Jesus or I choose to follow my heart. I follow whatever I want, follow other people, follow the influence of Satan. But it's up to you and me. We, it's just that simple. Life is just that simple that we have a choice to either follow Jesus Christ or we don't. That's all it is. We can make it all kind of pretty things and we can get deep into Greek and Hebrew and all this stuff. That's all great. But really and truly for us simple people, it just comes down to I choose to follow Christ or I don't choose to follow Christ. This is why we won't have any excuses about, you know, how she's saving. Yeah, right. I don't even know she's right or not. No, it's not difficult. It's not deep. Either you follow Christ and you, or you don't. Nobody have any, any, any traits in them that make them follow Christ as opposed to somebody else that don't follow Christ. We're all made the same. And so either we follow Christ or we don't. 
And so it's just that simple. And so when we come to understand that that's really what it comes down to, and so if that's the case, we realize I need the Lord because guess what? I have nothing. I have nothing. And so I need the Lord. The poor in spirit is, the the poor in spirit don't care. Watch this. I'm about to hurt some of us. The poor in spirit don't care what song is sang at church. The poor in spirit don't care who the preacher is and what sermon he's preaching. Uh, The poor in spirit are just glad that someone is singing and somebody is preaching the word of God. And you know how I know that's true? When I first got saved, I really did feel that way. Man, I put this stuff on me, and I'm honest with myself. And I remember when I first got saved, man, everything was just awesome. And, and maybe some people that was in the church for a long time probably thought I was crazy. I remember one time, uh, you know, people getting saved, coming into church, getting baptized. And I remember some of the older people that's been around was like, mm-hmm, yeah, they coming into church and they all excited. But give them a few months and they'll be just like me. (laughs) People do feel that way. It's unfortunate. But the bottom line is we have to realize that when we first got saved, all of this was exciting. All of this was just like, wow, yes. So we got to ask ourselves, am I still feeling that way about this? Or no, it's waning a little bit. The poor in spirit will worship regardless if the words to the song is on the screen. The poor in spirit is grateful to give their tithes and offering to the Lord. The poor in spirit respond to the preached word just because it's the preached word of God. The poor in spirit spends time at the altar seeking God just to get close to him. Did you forget? I remember. Some of you have heard this before, but I'm just trying to remember these things because I want the word to mean something to me too. And I remember back in the day when I first got to church, our church didn't, you know, back then they had choirs. For some of you, you don't know that, but choirs, I mean, you know, 30, 50, 60 people, you know, in, you know, in the choir. And I remember we had a choir and our choir didn't have a robe, so we would sing in all black. I wasn't in the choir, and so I knew they would sing when I know they were singing. I wear black to church that day. And they were singing some songs that I did not know what the song was, but I was in the back just praising God. So I know what I'm telling you that it, I was dealing with that, that it didn't matter how the sermon sound. It didn't matter what they sang. It didn't matter nothing. I was just so excited to be a part of the church and just say, look what God is doing. I was just excited. And so if we're not excited anymore, are we really poor in spirit? Are we poor in spirit? We, we got saved because we were poor in spirit and we knew it. We knew we were a mess. And so we understood that I have nothing to give to God. And if anything is going to change about my life is if God do something in me. What changed? Did anything change? Or we still feel that way? The poor in spirit realize he is God and we're not. Poor in spirit. All right. 
Let me take it down. Many people have taken the wrong road trying to get to the right destination. Many people have taken the wrong road trying to get to the right destination. Uh huh. Motives are right, but they lack teaching. That's usually what happens when people take the wrong road trying to get to the right destination. Their motives are right, but they don't have the teaching. I don't think we can say that in this church because if you come to this church enough, you should get enough teaching to know to get on the right road. And when you're on the wrong road trying to get to the right destination, it can take you a long time if you ever get to the right destination. You hear me? You can be on the wrong road trying to get to the right destination and the wrong road will always take you longer than the right road. And the question is, will you ever get to the right destination on the wrong road? Something to think about. Teaching makes sure that we take the right road to get to the right destination. This is why we're talking about tonight that Happy are the poor in spirit. Many are doing all they can to be happy. Some people are doing all that they can. They're Christians. And others, they're not in church. But they're doing all that they can to make their life happy. Can I tell you a secret? You might not believe this, but I believe I've lived long enough and I've touched a little of this life and that life and I've been around and got involved in different things to know. I don't think anyone can truly make themselves happy. I'll let that, I'll let that, I'll let that stay there for a little bit. Because as soon as you get happy, you're not happy no more because you need to do something else. If you said, you know, I'm going to set out to make a million dollars, as soon as you get to a million dollars, you want to get to two million dollars. We're never happy. So no matter what you do to try to accomplish happiness, you will never be happy. But if you come encounter with Jesus Christ and you embrace his word that says, Happy are the poor in spirit and you get to encounter him and you get to have a relationship with him. Then guess what? You will experience happiness and you will be happy. But if you try to make yourself happy, oh, trust me. Trust me. Some people try to get happy from other people's life. There is no perfect person walking the earth so people can't make you happy. You have to figure out what makes you happy, and I'm here to tell you, only Jesus makes you happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. When you go to Jesus and realize you have nothing to offer, but he has everything for you, and you just sit down and just let God work in your life, and you love on him and he love on you, that's the only true time you will experience happiness. Everything else, you're going to just, just a little tingling. Just a little tingling for a while because we're never satisfied. God knew this, knew this about us. That's why he says, seek ye first. Because 
If we continue to seek it, we will always go deeper. We will always experience more of it. We will always get to experience there's more to this kingdom. There's more to this kingdom. And so he knew the way he made us that we will never be satisfied truly if we don't have him and if we don't seek the kingdom. So if you try to seek things outside of God, you will never experience happiness. You're tricking yourself, you're deceiving yourself in thinking that you will find happiness in material things. That you will find happiness in a good job. Or you'll find happiness when you get your business going. Or you'll find happiness. No, those are not what make you happy. You're supposed to be happy in Jesus and then you can do those other things. Because those other things won't control you. I'll give you a good example. For some of you, you probably get this. I'm almost done. You probably get this. I sometimes smile at work, and I do certain things at work to stir the pot. I'll tell you in a second what that means, because the job is not my life. But so many people are at the job. That's their life, man. And if things are not going right, they have headaches. If things are not going right, they're just mean, and they're frustrated. Everything is wrong when things are not going. But but the job is not my end-all, be-all. Jesus is my end-all, be-all. So when stuff is going on at the job, I kind of smile and say, ah, it's going to be all right. The other day, so I'll tell you all a little, I hope the job people don't listen to this. But the other day, <laughs> the other day, I, um, I started some stuff at, at work. It was legit. I don't do anything wrong. And so my staff, I needed to get my staff a raise. And so, you know, it's just we've been going back and forth, and they haven't gotten a raise in a while. So all of the project managers, I'm one of the project managers, they all afraid to bring it up. So we have this meeting that we have every week. And so I said, I got it. Don't worry about it. They said, what you going to say? I said, no, no, I got this. Don't worry about it. So on this meeting we have weekly, the CEO, the CFO, everybody on this meeting. And all of the project managers was on this meeting. So when we were ending the meeting, I said, hey, CEO. Can you stay on the call? CFO, can you stay on the call? HR, can you stay on the call? Vice President, which is my manager, can you stay on the call? And all of my fellow project managers, y'all stay on the call. Everybody else, can you excuse us? And so everybody hung up. And so I laid and I told, I told our boss, I said, the CEO, I said, listen, we have not had a raise in a while, and you know how cost of living was going up three, 2 and 3% a year. I said, well, it just jumped like 13%. I said, our staff need raises. We need raises. And I didn't, I, I wasn't talking for me because I told you all, I've never really asked for raises because God always gave me a raise. But I had to do it that way just so everybody know I'm, we're, we're together. And I said, we got to do something. We can't keep doing this. I saw an email today go across. The vice president said, all of the stuff that Wayne submitted, all approved. Give everybody a raise. My, my whole staff for one of my projects, all of them, I mean big jumps, big jumps, not no little penny jump. Because I told, my, I told the bosses, I said, cost of living has gone up 13%, not 3%. You can't keep paying these people this kind of money. Everybody was on the call like, yeah, Wayne, you're right. I'm like, y'all just be quiet because no, none of y'all wanted to do this. But the reason why I can do it, why can I do it? Because if I was like them, I would have been afraid to bring it up to the CEO because I don't want the CEO to start making me a marked man. And so when, when the job is everything and you don't have Jesus, you, won't, you don't do that stuff. But me, what do I have to lose? My everything is in Jesus. You see what I'm saying? It's different. My peace is in Jesus. My happiness is in Jesus. Everything for me is in Jesus. So 
the job and the leaders of the job, they don't intimidate me. I'm not worried about somebody firing me. But a lot of the people are, and that's okay. And that's why I had their backs. So now everybody's supposed to get raises. Thank you, Jesus. Happiness is only found where Jesus said it would be found. When we are poor in spirit. Stop trying to be happy any other way. It won't work. Those who understand that we need him and come to know him are the ones who are truly happy. Anybody happy in here tonight? Anybody happy? That you really laid it all down and gave your life to Jesus. You repented of your sins. You got baptized in Jesus' name. He filled you with the Holy Ghost. Uh, You live a life that is holy and righteous. Yeah, I'm not telling you you're perfect. But you know that your God is everything to you. Don't you have the peace? Don't you have happiness? Because you know Jesus is your God and he is everything. Happy are they that are poor in spirit. I don't need to be rich with anything in this world. Give me Jesus. An attitude of personal unworthiness is necessary to enter the kingdom. If we would go back to the beginning, we will see that that it's important that we realize we brought nothing in and we are taking nothing out. We cannot purchase citizenship into the kingdom of God with money. What qualifies a person for citizenship into the kingdom is the person's attitude. Do they live a life that says, I'm poor in spirit, I'm humble, I'm submitted to God. The riches of this world does not compare to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God excels all the kingdoms and principalities of this world. So no matter what the world looks like, no matter what titles they want to give you, no matter what they want to say you can achieve in this world, remember what the devil did to the, to the Lord. You see all this kingdom, I will give it to you if you bow down and worship me. Another evidence that we need to take and write, make a note of that. Why was the devil so willing to tell the Lord, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you bow down and worship me? Why was he willing to? That doesn't even make sense. All I got to do is bow down and you give me all of this? Make a note of that. That's something you're going to research and look at. And so I close with this. The opposite of this beatitude is this. So it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. But watch this. The opposite of that text says this. Wretched are the spiritually self-sufficient, for there is the kingdom of hell. So there's an opposite. There's an opposite to that text. If we become so self-sufficient, spiritually self-sufficient, We're wretched, and we're not going to inherit the kingdom. When we are poor in spirit, we get to experience the kingdom of God now and eternally. Happy are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Beatitude number one. Let's stand. So when you read the beatitude, and it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now you know what it really means. It didn't mean that you were blessed if you didn't have the Holy Ghost. (laughs) 
You know, we can take things and make it in all kinds of things when we don't understand it. It means you're blessed when you empty yourself from all of what you think you are and all of what you think you have because you have nothing. Everything that you have is because of the goodness of God. Your mind, your, 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 your ability to go out and earn, it all happened because of the goodness of Jesus, not because you had it together, not because you're just that good. Let's thank the Lord tonight for what he is doing in our life, and let's trust him to continue to work in our life. Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for just, oh God, bringing to our attention that blessed are the poor in spirit. And Lord, we certainly will examine ourselves to be sure we're humble before you. We sure will examine ourselves, Lord God, to just, oh God, submit to your authority and your rule in our life, Lord God. And Lord, we realize that you have given us a choice that we can choose to follow you or choose not to. But God, we realize that we will only be happy if we follow you. We will only be happy if we submit to you. We will only be happy if we empty ourselves of who we think we are. If we have a right assessment of ourselves, oh God, and realize that we have nothing. That all that we have, ability, talents, whatever we were able to go out and do, it's only because you enabled us. And so tonight, Lord God, we have come to say thank you that you didn't forsake us, that you've been gracious to us, that you, almighty God, have just loved us and have, oh God, cared for us. We're so thankful tonight, Lord God. We give you honor and we give you praise. Continue to reveal the word of God to us as we dig into the Beatitudes, as we come to the place of understanding and knowledge and wisdom of the Beatitudes. Here we are, Lord, asking that you will work in us and through us as we grow up and mature in you, Lord God. Lord, wherever you're taking this church, we are so grateful. Whatever you're doing in this church, we are so thankful. For God, we want to please you and we want to serve at your pleasure. Oh, yes, Lord, whatever your pleasure, whatever your will, that's what we want to do. And oh, God, we yield and submit tonight to say, have your way, sweet Jesus. Not our will, great God, but your will be done. Have your way in this church, Lord. Continue to move upon us, Lord, individually and collectively. Will you continue the work that you've started in us, Lord, that we will experience true happiness, Lord God. For happiness only comes when, God, we obey you. Happiness will only come when we submit to you. Happiness will only come, Lord God, when you are the authority in our life and we, oh God, allow you to rule and reign in our life. We want to be happy, Lord God, and we know happiness is in you. Happiness is in you, Lord Jesus, and we're thankful to know it. We're thankful to know it, Lord. We will continue to seek the deeper things of God. We will continue to seek you, Lord, that we will continue to experience happiness. For happiness is in you, Lord God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. We're so thankful, Lord. Bless us as we go from this place. Keep us in your love. 
until we come back together again. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you, if you can, give to the building fund on your way out. Have a great rest of your night. In Jesus' name.